0: Your radios tuned to Resonance 104.4 FM. My name's Jack Thurston, and this is The Bike Show. Get away
1: from that boy for the wild man gets you.
0: And as I announced on last week's show, on this week's show, I'm broadcasting from the United States, actually down in the very southern part of Louisiana, in the crescent city of New Orleans. And I'm sitting outside under the uh, shady oak trees that prevail in this part of the world. And if you hear any dogs barking or people sawing wood or other incidental noises, that would explain it. This is the final episode in the current season of the bike show, and it's somewhat appropriate that being in New Orleans our major feature in the show this week is going to be an interview with two cycling troubadours who've been on the road visiting 31 countries over the last 5 years and recently back in London having completed a epic tour of southeast asia taking in thailand laos vietnam and uh, parts of south west china and we'll be hearing from them later in the show but before that You may remember that the good news at Christmas time last year was the Sustrans victory in the People's Millions, the £50 million lottery money giveaway, which was won by Sustrans and is going to be spent on a whole series of projects that are going to be linking people walking and cycling from the places where they live to the places where they want to go. A couple of months ago, I spoke with Barry Mason down at the Bermondsey project And it was my pleasure to meet up with Martin Lowe, who's Director of Transportation at Westminster City Council, for him to give me the overview of a project that's going to be involving a new bridge across the railway line up in northern Bayswater. I began by asking Martin Lowe how he felt now that the project was going to go ahead.
2: We're really proud. So we're proud of the community that really got behind the bid Uh, right from the early stages when we were trying to get shortlisted into the project, into the the, uh, bids from across the country. So yes, we're really proud of the way the community has uh, helped and supported us. And that includes our local MP, Karen Buck. Uh, the leader of the council, Sir Simon Milton, Danny Chalkley, our cabinet member for Hi. Economic Development and Transport, all of them played a, a massive part in trying to do this. And then we had all councillors um, uh, like Councillor Barry Taylor who worked very closely with the Westminster Academy, which we're... Yeah, we've just
0: walked find. down past the rather striking green building of the Westminster Academy um, on the Harrow Road here and we've crossed underneath the, um, the Westway, past some rather superior looking five-a-side football pitches and we're now looking over down onto some railway lines some of which look like they're a little bit on the disused side but I, th- I think we just saw the, the the main line there a little bit further over and so perhaps you can talk us through the project.
2: The construction of the Westminster Academy um, resulted in the creation of a, a new ramped uh, foot, footway link and sideway link to the bridge and removed the need for people to go up and down steps but as you'll see the next part of the project involves us working very closely with Network Rail that owns this bridge over the railway
0: Well shall we take a walk across the existing bridge yes. and so this is really the characteristic of this little part of um, North Bayswater really Westbourne Park um, is that it's divided by railway lines, big roads and these are not very good for people who want to get around the local area are they because they just create these these sort of man-made barriers that are almost insurmountable.
2: I think the I mean the bridge that we're walking over now years ago got the term Mugger's Bridge and I think uh, for, for for you can see one of the reasons why.
0: It's very hard to see. It's,
2: it's hard to see round corners. So we're going to be doing some interim improvements this year should be completed by the end of March to enhance the lighting Put up a few um, mirrors so that people can actually see who's coming from around these corners.
0: And so there were crimes going on here over the years.
2: There were in the past. In fact, our Director of um, Community Protection, Dean Inglejew, has been in the Metropolitan Police until very recently, and I think he can remember his days early on the beat, when he was a PC, uh, coming here to tackle some of the crime. The crime's not the issue now, it's really about getting a decent link. We're meeting a cyclist coming the other way. Yeah, he's just had to to
0: carry up up his bike up here.
2: We We want to have a ramped solution, so that we have the same high quality that we have on the north side of the bridge, on the south side
0: here we can see i mean it's quite compact the area where you've got to get a ramp in and uh, what will it be a kind of circular ramp or, or just a very steep one um because you've got you've got a bit of land down there that looks like there's some sort of railway works is that is that land that you'll get to use
2: well when that's why we need to work so closely with network rail because clearly as you've seen we've got a fairly narrow footway uh, out on the farthest, on the south uh, on the south side of the bridge and so the issue for us really is about working very closely with Network Rail to, to use some of the land which they don't need uh, for the main improvements associated with Crossrail but will mean that we can have a really nice gentle ramp easy for pedestrians to use easy for cyclists who want to push their bike up to use
0: and presumably you're going to have to put some kind of protections in there um, because you've got a railway beneath and you wouldn't want Poodlums throwing concrete blocks over as is want to happen now and again so it will remain I guess an enclosed it, bridge.
2: It, it will be necessary to have an enclosed bridge because there will be the understandable concerns from Network Rail but what we want to do is to have something that looks a little nicer than it does now and we think there's plenty of scope to do that. Uh, there may be scope to have some um, specially strengthened glass which might be nicer and also make people feel a bit safer because if people using any bridge or subway their biggest fear is not being seen
0: so clearly the connect to 50 million from Sustrans is um, going to be putting some of the money towards this project is that all of the budget or are you going to be chipping in some money yourselves and with network rail as well
2: oh no it's a it's a much bigger project than just the money that we've got through the sustrans connect two project but the sustrans connect two project is not just about this bridge the marvelous thing about the sustrans project is that we're looking at the way in which people walk and cycle using this bridge so we're looking at developing and improving the routes to and from it so we won't be wasting the the public money that we've got through sustrans but we'll be working really closely with the local community so that they are part of the process very much as it's because of them that we've won this this money
0: when will work commence on this and when will it be ready and in the time during the work's going on will people be able to get across this bridge? or
2: That's very much detail that we need to sort out with the cross rail project because the main reconstruction of the bridge is going to come from that. There has been a certain amount of discussion. When it comes on to the construction phase obviously we try and do our best working with network rail to try and ensure that we keep the bridge going and a lot really will be depending upon the final design of the bridge and it may be feasible to construct the new bridge to the side of the existing bridge and then to dismantle the existing bridge at the end of the project. And I think that's certainly something we want to look at because looking here there is the scope to vary the alignment slightly and to do just that. Yeah. Not wanting
0: to pin you down but um, if everything goes according to plan are we talking a couple of years?
2: Well Crossrail's designed to be um, implemented um, by 2017 which is quite some time away but there's a hell of a lot of work to do on that project. What we'd hope to do because of the need for, for Network Rail to get the infrastructure right in the early stage of the pro- process is to try and push them hard to work closely with us so the construction of the new bridge is fairly early on in the process. Given the fact that Network Rail owns the much of the land that's needed for this project, the time that you might need to acquire the land and compensate people appropriately just shouldn't be there. And with the government transferring responsibility for the Crossrail project across to Transport for London, we're very hopeful that we're not going to have to wait long. So a realistic time period, I think, would be something in the order of five years as a a minimum. Um, And the reason for that is there's a huge amount of planning that needs to be done, and a lot of the work needs to be done because you're over a live railway in restricted periods of work and activity. So, you know, we're very hopeful. But you can certainly see, looking here, that uh, some of the disused railway parts of the railway network provide an opportunity. The skill is going to be designed the new bridge um, so that we achieve all that we wish to with the constraints imposed by a very live and um, busy railway line next to it.
0: That was Martin Lowe, Director of Transportation at Westminster City Council and we'll watch that project with interest and in the next season of the bike show we'll be coming back to look at the other Connect2 projects in the London area. As I said at the start of the show, this show is being broadcast from New Orleans or at least I'm being broadcast from New Orleans and if you can hear any incidental crashes and bangings that's because I'm here sat outside in a very lush garden in the uh, uptown part of the city and it's to jazz that we now turn appropriately enough in the city which was very much the cradle of jazz at the beginning of the 20th century to a couple of cycling troubadours the jazz workers also known as Jazz Jihad, also known as Too Dumb to Die, also known as Jim Bino Vegan and Treen Lemba. Um, They're a couple of uh, cyclists and musicians who've just come back to London having spent a year and a half cycling around Southeast Asia. I caught up with Jimmy and Treen a couple of weeks ago in London to talk about their epic journey and how they got along making music to the people of Southeast Asia and I started by asking Jimmy what it was like to be back home. It's very nice. I'm very pleased to be back in the mother country with my
1: English brethren. And how was the trip? Uh, it was fantastic. My legs are like a uh, horse's legs, you know, they're bristling and so muscly. I wish you could see it. Listeners, I wish you could see my legs. Well, there's photos on the internet. <laughs> yeah, we've got a website so you can see my legs uh, with backdrops of China, Yunnan. Uh, we were cycling a lot in China and, uh, and also in Vietnam and uh, in Southeast Asia, Thailand, Laos, through various jungles and swamps.
0: And where did the idea come from? Well, we've
1: been affiliated to, uh, to uh, the Cyclone Circus, which is um, a larger group of uh, American cyclists that started in the uh, late 90s. There they were a circus called the End of the World Circus, traveling by truck, and they spend all their money on petrol. And uh, they thought, what, what's, what's all this about? You know, we're supporting the war. This sucks. So they decided to get onto bikes and travel around doing bike shows. And, uh, and they found the reception was just as good. They managed to have a bit more money to save. And uh, they spent it on food which fed their aggressive cycling around the world. They made it over to Europe. And I met them in Barcelona in 2002. And, uh, yeah, kind of they've grown and split off into many different groups. There's one group down in Southeast Asia at the moment in Thailand. And uh, there's also another group while we're here and we're cycling around London, getting stuff done. That's just Trina myself. Uh, but there's also another group in the states still, and uh, a group in Morocco. Uh, so they've uh, they've spread about, and they're cycling and doing street shows, unfunded by anybody except spectators on the road, and uh, totally free and uh, basically. Things haven't changed since we started. All you need is a bike and some kind of good attitude for for the shows. Talent is uh, is acceptable, but uh, really not so necessary. Although there is a hell of a lot of talent. Cycling around for seven years on a bike and playing music in the street. I mean, you have to be uh, you have to be trying not to get good at something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and those. so,
1: what are the advantages
0: of traveling by bike? Uh,
3: well, because if you're traveling by bike the speed is very nice <laughs> if you go by a car or a train you pass by everything so fast but if you cycle you see you see all the people who live on the way and uh, you say hello to them <laughs> and uh, it, it's uh it's just healthy it keeps you doing exercise and uh, yeah it's,
0: it's and what, what, what were the roads like
3: well, different places, different roads. Uh, the craziest roads I saw was in Cambodia. It was just impossible because uh, there was like just hole after hole. <laughs> no road.
0: <laughs> and what kind of bikes did you have?
3: Uh, well, I, I traveled with a five-gear bike. And sometimes only one gear worked. (laughs) But it was okay because it was very hilly. So if I went up, I just had to walk. And when I went down, I had to just (laughs) brake. But Jimmy had a more interesting
1: bike. Uh, I had a mutant bike, a a tall bike. So it's a ladies' bike welded on top of a guys' bike. And it was given to me by my friend um, from Belgium. Well of course if you're part of a circus and you've got bikes you know you might as well try to make it very funny. So they have lots of mutant bikes, tall bikes, back-to-front bikes, upside-down bikes, uh up your nose bikes, anything <laughs> goes, you know, it's all been done. They they've got some pretty crazy uh, uh velocipedes.
0: So I'm imagining you weren't travelling great distances every day on these uh No. these machines. Uh, when we were
1: travelling hard and when there was a kind of nothing else to do which which kind of happens in China well it's a big place and you know it's got a lot of fields and uh, there's not much to do on the road except for carry on so sometimes I could push it and we make a uh, hundred kilometers in a day um, but uh, generally we would be happy if we made 50 or 60 but that's great because that also that day would involve uh, getting up which would take uh, three or four hours <laughs> and eating food, and also jamming out, playing some music. And then when everybody's finally appeared and ready, we would cycle, and then often we would do a street show. So it's a busy day. <laughs> so you weren't just the two of you? No, there was, um, we, we were with the Cyclowns in Thailand for a while, and then we kind of split off uh, with a bass player, uh, my friend Johnny Joyce, who cycles around the world carrying a Contra bass on a, on a kiddies trailer, which is an impressive thing to look at, especially when it gets pulled past, by, pulled over by police who think he's got a bazooka or a cannon, which a contrabass wrapped up in white plastic does look a bit like. Anyhow, so he learned how to say it's not a cannon in many different languages. <laughs> uh, and then also we were playing with a drummer, uh, another American, and yeah, various other people. And then occasionally we'd meet people, uh, and they would cycle with us. One point in China, I was cycling along the road, and... Uh, and I met this Chinese kid. He, he lives like fifty kilometers from where he studies, and he normally takes the bus there and takes and, and takes the bus home for the weekend to stay with his family. And uh, he was with his bike, and he decided to cycle with me. And uh, it was exciting for both of us because I got to talk to him, and he got to cycle to his hometown, <laughs> which I, I think he really enjoyed it. And I spent I had a meal with his family. It was. It was You know, so we pick up people. I mean, people like that for one day and other times we pick up people for perhaps uh, a month. I've been picked up for the last five years. So I'm not sure when they're going to shake me off.
0: (laughs) You were keeping yourselves going financially by playing music.
1: Yeah, most of the time, playing music, we get a lot of gigs. China is great for musicians. If you're a musician in London and uh, you're out of work, I, I recommend you head for China. They have zero taste in Western music, but they know they love it because they associate it with being rich and being Western and snazzy and modern. And also, uh, they uh, there's more demand
0: for music uh, than than supply. So, uh, and What do they make of your mode of transportation? Because I, I guess everyone in china is looking to get off their bikes and into a car yeah the bike is seen as very uh old-fashioned and
1: like the first thing you want to dump when you're getting when you when you get into the middle classes but i don't know uh i mean the also because there's so many bikes in china and people have been cycling so much there's a very positive situation for bikes you know it's like a on every street corner, pretty much you find somebody who who fixes up bikes for a pittance for for a small amount of money you it's very convenient to travel by bike there's cycle lanes everywhere in in Beijing, even though they 're making these big roads they 're making they all have cycle lanes. Uh, I think the bike is perhaps getting less popular as a means of transport but then again, you know i, I don 't think it'll ever die because it's uh, loads of Chinese just know it's it's a fantastic way to go around and uh yeah, and, and they, they loads of people, especially the old guys, love to cycle. And when we were traveling, we were cycling in Tibet, or we were traveling in Tibet for a bit, and on the borders of Tibet, western Sichuan, which is a, it's ethnically Tibetan, and there we met uh, quite a few Chinese. Uh, most of the people who, uh, who, who passed us or uh, we met on the way who were cycling were Chinese. It was a, like a big... Challenge for them. They, they they were they were obviously more competitive cyclists, and uh, doing it for like uh, the challenge to cycle all the way from Beijing to Lhasa or something. But uh, it was very encouraging to see Chinese who uh, who saw biking as a as a pastime as a nice way to enjoy yourself. And uh, in the countryside, uh, it's still and in in the city for many poor people, it's still the only means of transport that they can really afford and the most suitable for picking up for rag and men, you know, <laughs> or whatever. It's, it's the only
0: realistic way to get around. Talk me through your instrumentation and repertoire. Tell me about what you play.
3: We play mostly this old-time jazz from New Orleans, like uh, from the 20s. And also we pick up some songs on the way. Uh, I, I learn many languages, so I, I sing in Tibetan, Chinese and other.
0: <laughs> All right, so what kind of songs did you pick up?
3: Well, I guess the most exciting one would be the Cambodian one.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: Everyone loves that. Jean's
1: great. She, she learns songs from each of the local languages uh, wherever we go. Well, she tries to, and she's wonderful at that. And uh, people really uh, go ape when they see uh, us singing in their language. When we have t- turn up by bike and then start singing in Cambodian, you know. They, Cambodians really dig it. So it's, it's a you know, great way to get through to them. And also, it's great to come back here, you know, because it sounds like total gibberish. <laughs> but It's great fun. And, you know, in Cambodia, if they thought we sort of talk Cambodian, because we sang one song in Cambodian, well, that was hard to convince them after the show was finished, you know. But in England, it's no problem, because <laughs> you don't meet many English people who speak Cambodian, unfortunately. So, and So you play the guitar. Yeah. I play clarinet and, and ukulele. I travel for about six months with Treen on my own, and we were the jazz workers, and then we met the Cyclones and traveled around with them mm-hmm. in, uh, in Southeast Asia. Then we split off with a contra bass player, Johnny, and a drummer, and we were too dumb to die. Oh, we often changed the names. Uh, it was often thousands of dead frogs when we got to Vietnam, and the whole road was scattered with roadkill frogs. <laughs> so we decided to call ourselves Thousands of Dead Frogs. But most of the time,
0: we were we were too dumb to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, were well, you going to give us a quick rendition, maybe a bit of Cambodian?
1: Yeah, we'd love to. This song is um, this song is a Cambodian pop song written in the seventies, I think, before Pol Pot killed all the musicians. So, uh, so most of the young people in Cambodia didn't know <laughs> didn't know this music. Anyhow, we don't know if anybody uh, knows what it actually means. We haven't got the faintest because we just <laughs> Trin just uh, copied the words on the on the CD. So we don't really know what it means. So if anybody does know what it means, please uh, uh, contact the radio program and tell us because we're kind
0: of curious. Uh, okay, well, that's a shout going out to all the Cambodian yeah. listeners to the bike show. I know there are many. And there's one other thing I want to say. If, if, it, if, it, if it does contain, like,
1: adult content and bad words, we, uh, we don't... We apologize. We <laughs> were totally innocent. <laughs>
3: Vou pra Bravo! No, I claim you. I think about my own claim you.
0: But you're as a tool, but you're as a tool, but you're Bravo! Fantastic! I bet that goes down well, uh, down very well on the uh, on the streets of Cambodia. Yeah. Oh, well. No, we
1: did actually learn it until we were just leaving Cambodia.
0: But you know, Cambodians out there. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> and so what's next? What are your plans?
1: Well, we're uh, we're gonna be bumming around in London for the next uh, two or three months. Uh yeah, we we we're trying to get some gigs. I'm trying to write a book about my travels in uh in Asia and uh together we're performing uh, slideshows and um and kind of lecture with music and exhibition uh, in in London. Uh, we've got a show at Stranger Than Paradise on March the eighth, which is a party at Dex Dex uh, in Brixton. So we'll be playing there under the name Jazz Jihad, and also have an exhibition at One K X uh, on Judge Street, uh, just next to King's Cross, and one of these lectures on uh, on March the thirteenth, I think. <laughs> So that's kind of things that we're doing. Uh, just and are you taking to two wheels again? Yeah, yeah. We, in the summer, uh, we're planning to, I want to go, well, Trin's from Estonia, I'm from London, and uh, we'd like to cycle around Estonia and, uh, the, and, and then more in Russia, because Russia's a fantastic country with lots of, uh, enough room for me to pick up some good speed, you know.
0: So Trin, how do you think it would go down in your home country
3: the
1: cycling
0: troubadour. Is there a tradition of Estonian cycling troubadours?
3: Uh, I don't think there is a tradition. I've s- never seen anyone do that. But uh, I-, I think it will be go-, go down very good. But we're going to go to some Estonian small islands. There won't be many people there. <laughs> Estonia is not so populated.
0: <laughs> so will you treat us to one more song? Oh, avec plaisir, monsieur. With
1: pleasure, my friend. This next song is a song I wrote about cycling a bicycle, and it's called Little Bicycle, and it goes like this. Oaks, kaks, oaks kaks, called Nelly.
3: I kick away those blues I open the door and off I go So I cycle on my little bike Across the hills along the dike. No matter where I go My heart is thumping I hum a little melody Not diet, sleepy or hungry My head is in the clouds My legs are bumping On a silent, empty road On the top of a world the long hours of the night, through the blinding white sunlight, a little voice keeps encouraging me. Come on, Jimmy. So I cycle on, I'm feeling strong, I'm feeling young, but my bum feels quite similar. To steam, don't move as the train passed by the passengers To see me send me big old smiles Everyone on the street, we stare on a cycle It dropped off my brow Little bike, we've come so far How about we head home now? Cause I'm ready to face reality Oh, little bike, you and me can take on anything Together we'll conquer What a marvelous invention No wonder dinosaurs went extinct Without a bicycle to jump onto
0: That was the fabulous Too Dumb to Die, Jimmy and Treen, of the Cyclowns. And you can check out the Cyclown website at cyclown.org. And you can check out Jimmy and Treen at their MySpace page, which is myspace.com slash too dumb to die. And if you want to catch them live in concert, they're going to be playing on Saturday the 8th of March down in Brixton at a night called Stranger Than Paradise and that runs from 7pm until 7am an all-nighter, it's £10 to get in and Jimmy and Trine will be playing as Jazz Jihad Well, from me, Jack Thurston in sunny, balmy New Orleans that's all for this season of The Bike Show Ride safely and chapeau!